0: Amen. All right, while they receive the offering, um, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. You're going to need a Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 is where we're going to be. And so pull out your Bible, pull out your phone, whatever you use to get into the Word. Let's get that out. If you forgot a Bible, you don't have a Bible, or maybe you forgot your Bible at home or in the car, uh, there's a Bible underneath the seat that you are sitting in. You can reach down, you can pull that out. Luke 2 is where we're going to be. In that white Bible, it's on page 500. I don't know what page it is in your Bible, but... um, You'll find it, I'm sure. There's an index in the front. Simple. Uh, Luke 2 is where we're going to be this morning. All right? Uh, We're walking through kind of a traditional um, view of, of Advent, Adventists. And what, what that means is this. So Advent is something that the church all around the globe, all over the world, um, has celebrated for um, about 1,700 years now, a, a long time. Um, this, this season of Christmas, the season of Advent, um, has been something that we have uh, reflected in and waded into um, globally, the church globally, saints all around the world, um, have paused For this season of Advent, it comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means um, waiting. Which means to wait. It is. It is a season of waiting. Uh, Or sorry, not waiting, coming, coming. It means coming. Adventus means coming, not waiting. it's a season where we where we look back upon where we look back upon the coming of Christ, um, the first coming. We look back to his first coming. And we 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 reflect on the love and the joy and the peace that he brought us in in that um, first coming. But then we also look to the second coming, and this is where that idea of waiting comes in. We're kind of sandwiched in between these two. We reflect upon the waiting of Israel coming to the first coming. Then we uh, wade into this idea of waiting as we look forward to. His second coming, where Christ will return to bring perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect delight. He will come in full glory for His saints, um, and we will experience that fullness of Him for, for all eternity. And so Advent is a season that, that draws our minds and our hearts and our affections back to Him, reminding us that He is coming and that He has come. Traditionally, the church has done this through four ideas, through four ideas, right? Focusing on the joy of Christ, the hope of Christ, the peace of Christ, and the love of Christ. Um, And so this morning, we're gonna continue. Last week, we focused on hope, right? We talked about there's two different types of hope. There's hope that you can create, and that's the most common type, is that we create hope. We, We hope that we get this job. I hope that my kids get good grades. And what we talked about is this idea that It doesn't really do anything, right? You can hope all day long that your kids get good grades, but hoping alone doesn't do anything. But then there's a second type of hope, and hope that is given. And hope that's given changes everything. And that's the type of hope that Christ has given to us. If, you, if you weren't if here, you missed last week, you can go online and find that sermon there. But this morning, we're going to lean into joy. And joy is similar, but it is different. Uh, joy is not something that we uh, create. It's something that is given to us regularly. The most common form of joy is, is given to us, or we give it to others. We find joy in all kinds of things in, in life. Um, but ex- especially in the month of December, there's a lot of joy right? It's like the theme of the month. It's like the the word of the month of December every year is joy. Everywhere you go, you will see the word joy, right? We have ornaments hanging on our tree that say joy. We got things hanging on our door that say joy. We got um, cards that people send us in the mail in the month of December that say joy. I get cards all year long, but for some reason in December they all say joy, right? Uh, You walk into Lowe's, there's a gigantic J-O-Y when you walk in the door. Only in December, okay? If you walked in in May and it said joy, they would just be like, why is that there? But in December, you're like, I get it. I understand that, right? We create all kinds of traditions that are designed to take our minds back to a place when we were younger and there was a moment where we experienced joy. And so every year we create, we do these same traditions in, in the hopes that it'll bring us back to that place. And we force our kids into those traditions. We're like, no, you are going to do this because it brought me joy, right? Um, and we want them to experience the same thing, but really we just want to experience the same thing on repeat. Um, we, we create all kinds of crazy stuff in December to, to, to foster joy, right? We create... Um, Fictional characters like big fat men in red suits that bring us joy, right? We want to see our children light up. We want to see more joy. And so December is all about creating joy. December is the month of joy. And it's not bad. It's good. It's good to experience joy. But if December is the month of joy, what is the month of January? You see, you see there's a problem with joy. Joy the problem with joy? All joy, all joy at the very least is fragile. All joy is temporary. There's, there's no such thing as joy that just keeps on always being there, never lets you down. It's, it doesn't exist. It's not, it's not real. All joy is temporary, and all joy is fragile. You see, it's, um, when we get to January, every single one of us, we wake up somewhere around January 15th, and we realize I've been eating the same food out of my refrigerator for a month. Like I, and like the leftovers have gone bad, but I feel bad throwing them away and I keep eating them, right? My credit card's maxed out and there's nothing to do tonight, so I just like sit around, right? In December, there was something every single night of the week. In December, there was like light shows and, and Christmas parties and all kinds of fun things and toy stores and things that we looked forward to every single day. It was amazing. Ice skating and sledding. It was like December was awesome, but now it's like, what do we do now? Like we like literally, we don't know what to do in the middle of January, right? And inversion's inversion's like full swing or it's like, this is a miserable, right? It's abysmal is what it is, right? That's, that's where we wake up in January. Like this is post-Christmas blues, right? There's no, there's no more shopping. There's no more presents. And the presents that we got are kind of old, right? And you're like, well, what do we do now? The joy of December, it's not bad, but it is temporary. It, it is temporary, you see, all, all joy is temporary. All joy can only last so long before it either fades or breaks. That's just what it does. That, that new present that you open, this thing that you're like, this is all I want. And you, and you get it. You get it, right? I asked you before, what was like the best Christmas gift that you ever received? Right? What, what was it? Right? The reality is, is that whatever that thing was, it's something that's been long forgotten or broke long ago. It's just the reality of it. All joy is temporary. Eventually, the joy fades or breaks. Now, you might say, Josh, there's things that I find joy in that, that it lasts way longer than Christmas presents. And that's true. It's absolutely true. Right? We find joy. If I, if I were to ask you, what is your greatest joy? Um, most of you would probably uh, think of a relationship. Maybe it's a family member or or a best friend or or maybe a child or a grandchild. Those are things that that bring us great joy and they they last far longer than a Christmas present, right? I I find great joy in my boys. Like literally yesterday, Winston was so ready to go sledding that he started sledding down the front steps like on repeat. Like again, I'm like, you're gonna lose a tooth, but this this is hysterical and it brings me joy. I'm just sitting there, I'm just laughing. This is so much fun. I find great joy in him. It's still, t- it's still fragile. It's for sure temporary. It's fragile because I know that someday Winston will grow up, he'll become a teenager, and he will rock my world, he will let me down. <laughs> any parents in here with teenagers? Uh, like judging by your laughter, you're like, nah, no. At any moment, honestly, like... The reality is is that joy is so fragile at any moment he could be taken from me. At the end of the day, his joy, the joy that I find in him is based on the heart that beats inside of him and the the blood that flows through his veins. At any moment that could be taken from me. At any moment that could fade. And some of you have experienced that loss. Some of you experienced the loss of a a friend or a loved one, a child, a parent that that you found so much joy in. And this is, the, this is the last piece about joy that I want you to hear. Yes, it's, it's fragile and it's temporary. And ultimately, ultimately, that joy is going to bring you pain. It's going to bring you sorrow. It doesn't matter what it is, right? If it, can, it can be like a present. Eventually, when that thing breaks, you're going to be sorrow that it's broken or you lose it. Or you're sorrow that you've lost it. Or it could be a loved one, a relationship that when that, when that person, that friend turns their back on you, they're going to create more pain because you put more joy into them. When they pass away, it's going to bring more pain because you put more joy into them. The greater joy that is extended to something, the greater pain that will ultimately come from it. Joy is fragile, it is temporary, and it ultimately leads to sorrow. This is just the reality of joy. Merry Christmas, all right? Um, but here's the deal. On that night 2,000 years ago, a new form of joy came into the world. A joy unlike any other joy that had ever been known and ever will be known for all time. It's a new form of joy. It's a different type of joy. It's a joy unlike anything the world has ever seen or the world has ever known. It is a great joy, greater than all the other joys and different from all the other joys in your life was declared by the angels. In Luke 2, verse 8, picking up where Pete left off earlier, Pete read 1 through 7, we're going to look at verse 8. Here's what it says. In the same region, same region as Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear, right? Um, so not, not a city, not a capital, um, not a palace. An empty field is where the angels show up to declare what has just happened in Bethlehem. To dirty, poor shepherds. The, the weight of that, the, the economy of that um, is something that we could, we could preach an entire sermon on. And someday I'm sure we will. But I want to get to this, this next piece. Here's what the angel says in verse 10. And the angel said to them, to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. All right, so what is it that the angel brings? He brings good news of great joy. Not regular joy, not joy in a present, not joy in a relationship, a greater joy, a joy greater than any other joy that we've ever experienced in our life, a joy that is not temporary, a joy that is not fragile, and a joy that never, that never leaves us longing or leaves us in pain when it's gone. You see, the joy of Christ is different than all other joy. All other joy is fragile. It can be broken. It can be taken. It can be, it can be wrecked. But the joy of Christ is, as John Piper, a pastor in Minneapolis, um, says, it's an indestructible joy. It's an indestructible joy. You cannot destroy it. Nothing can take it from you. It is a joy um, that is eternal. It is an eternal joy. It's not temporary. It's an everlasting joy. It's a joy that we will have for all eternity. And he will never leave us or forsake us. He keeps pressing in, giving more and more and more. It doesn't run out. It just keeps filling up more and more and more. How do we know this? How do we know this? Look at the language of the angels. Here's what they say. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a what savior who is Christ the Lord? This joy is a saving joy. It's a joy of rescue. Literally, the greatest joy are, is always a joy of rescue, right? If you are lost and abandoned, you, you've 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 lo- gotten lost in the woods someplace, and you're you're wandering alone for days, and you're you're hungry and you're starving, and you're, you don't know what you're gonna do. You're like I don't know if I'm ever gonna find my way out. And all of a sudden, you hear somebody walking through, calling your name. That's joy. That's far better than any Christmas present that I can begin to imagine, right? There's a lot of things that we can find joy in, but there's nothing better than that, right? You are, you're out at sea in a life raft and you've been out um, for weeks and weeks are turning into months and you are on on the brink um, of death and all of a sudden the search lights come on. Man, that's joy. That's joy, right? I I find joy in a lot of things, but I'll tell you, that's better than all of them. That's far better than Taco Bell Crunchwrap Supremes. And there's a lot of joy there, Okay. A lot of joy, right? Listen, the joy of rescue is far greater than all other joy. The joy of being lost and then being found is a greater joy. But this is not just any rescue. This is, not, this is, not, this is far better than being in a lifeboat or, or being lost in the woods. This is far greater than that. This is, this is the greatest rescue in the history of the world. And it took me a long time, if I'm honest with you, it took me a long time to really understand this. It was the thing that held me back from a relationship with Christ for a very, very long time. This, this idea of rescue. I never understood how the death of Christ showed love. I, I never understood how, how is it that, that death can be this loving thing. If, if I tell you, if I said to my wife, Desiree, I said, Desiree, I love you so much. I just, I want to, I, I want to show you how much I love you. And so I climbed up on the roof and just like threw myself off. Where's the love? It doesn't make any sense, right? And I wrestled with this idea. I, 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 it, it really was the thing that, that kept me back from Christ. I was like, dude, I don't understand. How does the cross, how does bleeding out for me show me love? And then I realized something. Somebody showed me something. Every single time death shows love, there's two things that are true. There is someone who is is in danger. And the person who dies is the one who brings rescue every single time. You see, if I'm walking across the street and I see Desiree is walking across the street and all of a sudden a big bus is coming um, and the bus is about to hit Desiree and I run up and I push her out of the way and I get hit by the bus. Suddenly my death shows love. If we're walking down a dark alley and, and somebody jumps out with a gun and I push Desiree out of the way and I take the bullet, suddenly my death shows love. Every single time, you can think of a million scenarios in your mind. I don't care what it is. Um, you're swimming out in the ocean, and somebody's being attacked by a shark. And you swim out, and you fight with the shark, but the shark gets you. Every single, you can be as ridiculous as you want. Okay, every single time, every single time, death shows love. Someone is in danger, and the person who dies brings rescue. And we have a savior who has brought rescue. Through his death, which means that you and I, that humanity were people in danger. Humanity were people in danger of something far greater than any other danger that has ever been or ever will be, far greater than the dangers of being deserted um, at sea, far greater than the dangers of war. We were in danger of the wrath of God. There was a punishment due to us, a punishment due to you and to me because we had rebelled against the almighty great and glorious God. We had rejected him and chosen our own way, forgotten his kingdom and said I'll build my own kingdom. I'll establish my own future. I know what's best for me. You don't and so we suppressed him and we we chose our own way. We still do this. But God looked upon you and he looked upon me and he said, I will bring rescue. I'll be the one that rescues you. Yes, what you are in danger of is me, but I will be the one to rescue you from that. And so God is born. An indestructible joy is born he is born to die. He becomes a man. Jesus goes to the cross. He bleeds the ground red. He is ripped apart. The wrath of God is poured out upon him so that it would not be poured out upon you or upon me. He endured the wrath of God for you to bring rescue, a Savior who would give his life for you and for me. That is what was born. That is the joy. And, what, and the reason why he came was for joy. The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 2, 2, 12, 2, he says, Men, for the joy set before him, Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. His joy was you. His joy was extending to you this joy a joy that is not fragile, a joy that is not temporary. But it's eternal. It is an indestructible joy. It is something that no one can break and no one can take from you. John 15, no one can snatch you from his hand. The rescuer has reached out. He has grabbed you. And no one, no one can take that away from you. There's no circumstance. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. Nothing can remove the rescue from you. What this means, friends, what this means is that in the moments of life where all other joy has let us down, in the moments of life where all other joy has left us in a place of sorrow, we've experienced great loss, great pain, we find ourselves in the corner, in the fetal position, this joy is still there still there. It's indestructible. It's not temporary. It's always there. If you've given your life to Christ, if you've you've laid your life down before him, if he is um, your Savior, if he is the Savior of your life, it is you are saved. You have been rescued. And no one can take this joy from you. It is an eternal joy. It will move on into eternity. And so not only is it not fragile, it it is something that cannot be tampered with. In the darkest hour, we can always turn our hearts towards this joy. We can always recall the gospel to ourselves. We can remind ourselves that he has come and he has given his life. And there is joy there because we will be with him for eternity. It is not fragile. It is not temporary. It is eternal. And it is always there. And the last piece is this. All other joy, all other joy ultimately ends in sorrow. It does. All other joy ultimately in the end, when it's taken from us, when it breaks before us, it brings us to a place of sorrow. If it's small joy, it brings us to small sorrow. If it's great joy, it brings us to great sorrow. But all of the joy leads to sorrow. The joy of Christ only leads to more joy. It only needs some more joy. The more joy we experience in him, the more we draw near to him, the more joy we receive from him. It's never ending. It's untappable. He is the giver of all joy. Uh, Paul says in Romans 15, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. All joy. Jesus comes alongside us as we move towards him, as we wrap our lives around him, as we engage him through his word, as we engage him through the gathering of the saints, just like this, we are filled with more joy. And the more joy we experience, you think, man, there's no greater joy than this. this. Literally, he comes back and he layers more joy on top of that and more joy on top of that. We begin to find greater joy in the temporary joys because of Christ. I find greater joy in my children because of the joy that I have in Christ. I find greater joy in my marriage because of the joy that I have in Christ. I find greater joy in my career and my friendships because of the joy that I have in Christ. When I have an unmovable, unshakable, eternal joy, indestructible joy, the other things that, that ebb and flow, that bring joy, remove joy, suddenly don't move me as much. I experience the joy fully, but when it's lost, I still stand on a joy that's indestructible. I therefore can enjoy the things of this life all the more, whether it's small things like delicious food and good drink. I know it's a good gift from his hands, and so I Bring, give him the glory in those moments for that joy, whether it's the great things like watching my boy sled down the front steps. Um, I, I've experienced more joy because I know this is a gift from the giver of joy. I'm being filled with more joy from his gracious hands. The joy of Christ is not fragile, it is indestructible, it is not temporary, it is eternal. It does not lead us to sorrow. It leads us to more joy. There is no other th- joy in the world like it. There's nothing else that exists. And so what do we do? What is our response? How do we tap into this? How do we, how do we move forward? Two things. I want to challenge you. I want to I encourage you. Mind your measure of joy. Focus on, think about the things in life where, you are, where you're getting joy from. How much weight are you putting into that? How much joy you're trying to pull from that? You see, the thing is, if, if I try to find joy in the smallest of things, if it's if it's a if it's a, if it's a possession, a, a trinket, a toy, if it's a a house or a car, ultimately, man, if I put a lot of joy into that, I'm going to find a lot of sorrow there. If I put a lot of joy in into my children and into my spouse, it's. There should be more joy in that than in the trinkets and toys and things of this world. But if I put too much joy, not only will they let me down and it'll be more painful, but ultimately I'll crush them underneath the weight of that, underneath the ex- expectations that I place on them to provide me joy. If I'm constantly looking to my boys for joy, um, they, they're gonna get crushed underneath the weight of that. And they're gonna let me down because of the weight I put on them. We gotta mind the measure of joy that that we're giving to things. Where is the greatest joy of your life? Is it Christ? Is it indestructible? Is it eternal? Is it always giving you more joy? And the second piece is this. I I would say, and as we, especially in this season, as we move towards Christmas, in the Christmas season. There's so many things around us that are fighting for our joy. It's like, no, 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 your joy should be here. No, 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 your joy should be there. we got to find joy in this thing and that thing and that thing and this tradition and that party. If the things that you are finding your joy in are ultimately not leading you into a deeper, greater flourishing relationship with Jesus, it's not, it's not that they are in inherently bad things, but ultimately they're going to do no good for you. They're going to do no good for you. And you will wake up someday. You will wake up some moment. You will look back on the things that you place your joy in. And you, you will find your place, yourself in a place of sorrow and pain because those things are gone. But Christ will still be there. And so let us lean in and find our joy in Him. Let us keep tapping into that well. Keep drinking keep it deep because it's just going to keep getting more and more and more and more and more and more. And as we move into a, are, are led into a deeper flourishing relationship with Him, that is where true joy is going to be found. It's the only place. It's the only place. So be careful where you find your joy. If it's not primarily in Him, things are going to cause you sorrow and pain. Let me pray for us. Christ, this morning we come before you and we realize that the great joy that you found is in giving this joy to us. It is the reason why you endured the cross. It's the reason why you despised the shame. You fought through it, and you are now seated at the right hand of God. You've risen from the grave. And so this morning we come before you, and we celebrate. We celebrate, even though we realize that for many of us, there are things that we've placed our joy into that maybe we shouldn't have. We've given given too much joy to it. We've pulled too much joy out of it. There's people in this room that are experiencing sorrow because of that that are mourning because of that. Jesus, I I pray this morning that that you would lift our weak knees, strengthen our, our drooping hands, fix our gaze on you, help us to tap into indestructible joy. Might we sing your praises this morning. Might we sing of great joy, good news, of great joy. For all the people, for our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers who do not know you yet, there is great joy for them. Might we help lead them to that joy? At the foot of the cross, we find that joy. We praise you. I praise this in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.